So I invite you to turn to our scripture passage this morning. It's right printed out in your bulletin on page 3, as long as a brief outline of, of our message this morning. We're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. I thought on this, on this holiday weekend, we just, not try to fight it, but just run with uh, the, the theme of freedom. And not political freedom, as important and good as that is. Something even deeper and long-lasting and foundational, talking about freedom in Christ. And that's what the book of Galatians is all about. And, and chapter 5 is a great summary of, of both what it is and some of the challenges to it. Uh, so let's first read God's word together and then see how we can be encouraged uh, by the Lord's work. So Galatians chapter 5, we're going to read verses 1 through 15. This is the very word of God. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law, for you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ, uh, Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith, working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? If that is the case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. You who are called to freedom, brothers, you are called, for you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Lord, we praise you for your word. We thank you for how you care for, instruct, build up, and guard your people. And so build us up, even as the good news of Jesus goes forth through your word this very morning, in this very place. We thank you for it, in Jesus' name. Talking about freedom. Freedom, right? It is precious. It is something that can be lost. It's something worth fighting for. We know that from Scripture and from history. Why, why is it that, that a group of men would risk their lives and their livelihood and their wealth to sign a piece of paper so many years ago? If freedom wasn't that precious and worth fighting for. 
Why, why would young men who have their whole lives in front of them step onto a battlefield and face the real possibility of death? That freedom is worth fighting for. It can be lost. It's, it's precious. Why would the Apostle Paul write like this? Uh, write such an impassioned letter? Uh, use language that's pretty strong almost bordering on crude. And if you really paid attention here, uh, you'd, you'd be a little shocked by what Paul says. If, if, if one of your kids spoke like this at the dinner table, you might kind of send them to their room for talking like this. Why is Paul so, uh, so agitated, so, so excited, so passionate? It's because of freedom. Freedom is precious, and it can be lost. Freedom's worth fighting for. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, of course, there are different kinds of freedom, and I, I just, in my historical examples, mingled a few together. Uh, right? There is political freedom, social freedom, spiritual freedom, Christian freedom. It's the latter that we're going to be talking about. Uh, what really is the foundation of everything else, and, it's, and they're most definitely uh, tied together. It's not a coincidence that, that democracy flourished and grew up in, in Christian lands, uh, but that's a sermon for another time, or, a, or at least a, a lecture and investigation for another time. We're going to talk today about freedom in Christ, uh, spiritual freedom, eternal freedom, the foundation uh, of, it, of it all. And that's what in the entire letter to the Galatians is really focusing on. Uh, theologians like to speak about this letter as the the Magna Carta of Christian freedom. Or maybe day like today, we could say the, the Declaration of Christian Freedom. Yeah, not bad. Um, it's a place where Paul really zooms in and expounds on both what freedom in Christ is and how it can be attacked, even lost. Uh, and that's really what we're, we're, we're coming here in chapter 5. Paul is kind of rehearsing what he's already taught, uh, in rehearsing specifically by way of warning uh, that this wonderful freedom that we have in Christ, he says, watch out, it can be lost. Lost in two different ways. Uh, attacked from, from, from opposite flanks. And Paul says, be on guard. Uh, the true freedom is, of Christ is precious. It's beautiful. And it's worth fighting for. And so that's how he encourages us this morning. Let's, uh, let's take it from that perspective. Two ways to lose your Christian freedom. Uh, so watch out, first of all, for losing your freedom by submitting to works righteousness slavery. Submitting to works righteousness slavery. So maybe even before I jump into this point, I should give a little, a, a little warning or just a word of perspective. Uh, if you're someone who's theologically attuned and uh, Paul here might say some things that kind of get us scratching our heads, uh, especially if you're if you're one who who is very much in tune with issues of of God's sovereignty and salvation, uh, God's electing and predestining work, and God's preserving and, and securing work that none of His people are ever lost. And those are all things that Paul teaches in abundance. Uh, here he's just taking it from a slightly different perspective. Uh, so he's not contradicting himself, if it kind of looks like it 
Hold it, Paul, are you talking about losing your salvation or God not being sovereign? No, no, he's not. He's just not attacking, uh, the, the, the presenting from the heights of heaven, a position of God's sovereignty. That's a, something he teaches elsewhere, Ephesians 1, Romans 8 and 9. Here he's on the ground level where things are messy, based on what we can see on a human level. So maybe that helps us, uh, helps us dive in and not be as concerned about uh, some of the language. But so let's go into this first First perspective of a way that Christian freedom can be lost. It can be lost by submitting to works righteousness slavery. Uh, he, he throws it right out there in verse 1 of chapter 5. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Okay, here's the danger. Uh, to, to go to this, what he says, slavery, the opposite of freedom. The freedom that we have in Jesus. Well, he then uh, goes into verse 2 to 12 to really expound and, and describe what this is like. Reviews it for the Galatians. It's the danger of works righteousness. It's the danger of thinking uh, that we contribute. Uh, we, we perform uh, at least a little bit for our salvation. That yes, there's, there's Jesus, but... But, but we, we at least make some contribution to being right with God. Uh, some degree of performance to get us right with God, his forgiveness, our standing as a child of God, entry into heaven. We at least contribute a little bit. That's the, that's the false teaching that he's warning against. Uh, that, that slipping in of a little bit of works righteousness. And he, he describes it by honing in on what's really the, the flashpoint in the Galatian churches, and that's circumcision. Uh, but it's just an example of a broader problem, that, that problem of uh, getting into the false notion that we make a little bit of contribution. Because in the Galatian churches, apparently there are false teachers who have snuck in, and they've begun to teach the Gentiles uh, that if you want to be justified, that is, you want to be forgiven if you want to be right with God and, and, and declared righteous in his sight, you might say, if you want to be saved, they're saying, you need to be circumcised. Yes, yes, you need Jesus. Faith in Jesus, they would say. Absolutely. But you also need to be circumcised. And that's where Paul uh, responds and, and responds powerfully. Verse 2. Look. I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Now, Paul's not saying that circumcision is bad in and of itself. The Old Testament commands it for Old Covenant believers. Uh, Paul, on other occasions, uh, actually, well, Acts 16, Paul himself circumcises Timothy. So he's not saying that circumcision is somehow bad in and of itself. He's speaking about how circumcision is being used and thought of uh, among the Galatian Christians and the Galatian church. And the problem here is it's being presented and taught by these false teachers as something that is absolutely necessary to be right with God. Faith in Christ, yes, 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 but you also need circumcision. Faith in Christ plus something that you do. 
And there's the problem. There's, there's where Christian freedom is lost. Uh, in that one word plus. There's where the gospel gets, uh, gets dropped. Uh, I think it was Martin Lloyd-Jones who called it the, the damnable plus. Right? Christ isn't enough. It's got to be Christ plus. Christ plus a, a good thing like circumcision. Or Christ plus any other little contribution that you think, oh, well, here's something that should impress God. I'll have Jesus and my good reputation. Jesus and my faithful church attendance. Jesus and my Bible reading. Jesus and my, uh, my, my good guyness. You name it. As soon as you add the plus, uh, you just lost uh, the gospel. Now, Jesus said, or Paul says here, if you accept circumcision, you lose Jesus. Which is kind of a strong statement. But, but kind, of, kind of unpack what he's saying here. Uh, because what are they what are they essentially declaring uh, if if they buy into this? So here you have have Gentiles and they're they're beginning to be tempted by these false teachers. Okay, uh, I need Jesus, but I also need circumcision in order to be right with God. They're about to kind of take the plunge, and he's warning them. He's saying if you accept circumcision, you're actually losing Jesus. Because think of it. If they buy in, if they if they grab a hold of this, what what's the implicit declaration? The implicit declaration is Jesus isn't enough. Jesus isn't enough. Okay, yeah, it's 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 good. He came to earth and he uh, in, in human flesh uh, to rescue. Yeah, but that's enough. I need to add something. Uh, he he kept the whole law for his people, uh, righteous like they were not righteous. Yeah, but that's really not enough. Uh, he died bearing the curse of the law. Yeah, but that's not really enough. Uh, he rose again in victory. Yeah, but that's not really enough. That's the message. The false message, of course. Uh, that's the message that they would be saying if they grab on to, yeah, I guess I do need circumcision to impress God, to, to make my contribution, to buy my way in. They're essentially saying, Jesus isn't enough. And what Paul is showing us uh, is if you try to add to Jesus, uh, when it comes to your salvation, you're standing before God, if you try to add to Jesus, you actually end up losing him. Try to add to it, make your own contribution, you actually end up losing him. Uh, Martin Luther wrote a very famous treatise called The Freedom of a Christian Man. And in this in this treatise, he makes the same point, and to make the point, uh, he, he tells one of Aesop's fables uh, that, that kind of makes this point. It's, the, it's a fable about a dog who's, who has a piece of meat in his mouth, uh, but he happens to be uh, running along a, a stream. And so here he is, this piece of meat in his mouth, he's, he's running along the stream, and he looks in the stream, and what does he see in the stream? He sees a reflection. Not only of himself, but he sees a reflection of the meat. That's in his mouth. And thinking he can get a little bit more, he opens his mouth to grab at the meat in the reflection, and he ends up losing everything. In grabbing for more, he ends up losing what he already had. And Luther says, that's what Galatians is talking about. That's what Paul's warning. If you try to say, okay, yeah, Jesus is good, but now I'm going to make my contribution, you actually end up losing everything. Uh, or maybe, maybe a different illustration is, is helpful. Uh, here's, uh, here's one, maybe you've heard me use this before, but 
but we could even go with this week. Kids, you, you, you've seen me probably every week drink from this mug. Uh, I like this mug because it was given to me free and it's kind of pretty. Anyway, water in it because I get thirsty up here. I yammer on again a lot, so I get thirsty, so I love my mug full of water. And the water is very, very useful, essential. But here's the thing. If you try to add to this water, you could end up losing everything. So say, for example, uh, the workmen who were in this week, and there were, there were some workmen messing around with the air conditioner trying to get it just perfect. Now, what if they came down from the attic with their greasy tools and they saw, oh, there's a nice thing of water. I can dip the tools in and clean off the grease uh, right, in, right in this nice mug of water. Right, so you had the water, and you just added to it the greasy tools. Uh, is this useful to me anymore? No. You add to the water, you end up losing everything. And that's that's the idea that Paul's saying is if you if you think about what Christ has done, and then you say, yeah, but I gotta add a little bit. Add a little bit of my performance. Add a little bit of my religious deeds. Add a little bit of my goodness. Paul says, you've just said Jesus isn't enough, and you've actually lost it all uh, for all intents and purposes. Uh, and there is, how, uh, there is how you end up losing Christ and true Christian freedom. And he says, well, you go to verse 6. Uh, he says, by accepting this, uh, you, you end up cutting yourself off from the thing that really counts. He says, well, well, circumcision doesn't really count at all. It doesn't really help you at all. It doesn't impress God or, or help out. Uh, but the one thing that, that is, is valuable, you end up losing if you accept this works righteousness. And he says the one thing that counts, faith. Faith in the biblical sense. Not faith as this one magical work that impresses God, but faith as clinging to Jesus. It's what we just sang about not too long ago. Right? Nothing in my hands I bring. I got nothing. Simply to the cross I cling. That's biblical faith. It's not impressive in, in itself. It's, it's powerful because you're clinging to a powerful thing, Jesus. And so if you if you're, uh, accept circumcision or accept a, a works contribution, you're essentially letting go of the one thing that's actually valuable, clinging to Jesus and him alone. And Paul says, there you've You've lost it. Uh, because what biblically we have is actually better. And that's the theme that's helpful to come back to. Uh, what, might, what we have in Christ is actually better. Real freedom, Paul says. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Uh, he set you free. Right? Saving faith in Christ alone, that's real freedom. Because it's freedom from the guilt of your sin. Uh, it's freedom from, from the, the hell that we, we deserve. Uh, it's freedom from, from slavery to the powers of darkness and sin. Uh, it's, it's free entry into heaven. It's the free gift of God's love. It's the free gift of his presence. And then it's a, it's a life of freedom where, where we don't have to think of ourselves constantly on the edge. Because right? think of it, works righteousness always has, has you on the edge of, well, did I do enough? You know, are you sure that, that Jesus plus circumcision is enough? How, you, how do you know you don't need to add two or three more things? Right? If you, try to, if you think of, I'm safe before God today because I have Jesus and I also read my Bible. 
yeah, but did you pray enough? And did you give enough? Uh, and did you tell enough people about Jesus? Right? You, you start adding on to, to the things, then there's always, ooh, maybe I'm not as safe as I thought. Right? right? You're back in slavery. But if it's just Christ alone, everything that he did, and that's enough, well, then there, that's about as safe as you can be. You will never be more safe than that. Right? Jesus did it all. Right? Nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross. You're never going never gonna to lose that if that's your hope and your trust. So it's freedom because you walk into every day not trying to keep yourself safe. Uh, or, or, or prove your worth to God, right? This is why we don't need to get, get defensive uh, when, when, when criticism comes, right? Because your, your identity, your safety, your eternity, it's not at stake. You can admit you're wrong. Uh, this is why we don't need to we worry about difficult things. You can try hard things and completely mess them up because your, your security in Christ is not at stake. You're free, right? Real freedom, uh, it comes in Christ and in Christ alone. But there is this, this way to lose it. There is this attack. Uh, it's, that, it's that attack of you need something else to really be safe. Jesus plus. Uh, and Paul says, don't buy into it. You'll lose true freedom. Cling to Christ and him alone. But then he switches towards the end of the passage and says, there's actually another way to lose your Christian freedom. Uh, it's, it's the attack on the opposite flank. It's just as dangerous. And that's to turn liberty into license. And verse 13 is really the, uh, the key summary there. For you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Now, flesh here... Uh, He's not talking about our physical bodies. Occasionally you'll get that in Scripture where flesh means physical body. It talks about Jesus appearing in the flesh. It's, he had real humanity. Uh, but most of the time, uh, the New Testament, especially Paul, when he says flesh, he's talking about specifically our fallen human nature. Uh, that is, our humanity in its sin and fallenness and slavery what sometimes uh, Paul will call the old man or the old self or the sinful nature, uh, that, that part of us that's, that's pulling and dragging away from God and into unrighteousness and unholiness. And uh, Paul's going to explain a few verses later, if you keep reading in Galatians, that for the believer, uh, th th there's this battle within, right? Because you have God's Spirit uh, making us new, and yet they still have some of that old nature, the flesh, and there's this kind of battle. Uh, for, for, for those who don't know Christ, it's all flesh. It's all sinful nature. So there's not much of a battle at all. It's just headlong into sin. But for the believer, there's this battle within. Uh, there's the old nature that's still pulling us away from God. Uh, and that, that's real. It's, it's, it's within. And Paul says, look out for this temptation. To turn your liberty in Christ, your freedom in Christ, as a license to keep on sinning however you want. Uh, that the liberty that comes from faith alone, uh, right? Freedom from sin and death, not based on what you do, but based on what Christ did for you. 
and all that freedom we talked about in Christ, here's the danger on this flank is uh, to turn that uh, I'm free apart from my own works, uh, to turn it into I can do whatever I want. I'm right with God. I'm forgiven. I'm safe. Uh, I, can, I can just keep on sinning. God forgives. It's what he does. I'll just, I'll just keep going. Um, or, uh, right, that's false, uh, but that's the temptation. Or we could maybe put it this way. Paul says, here's what your struggling heart might want to do. To take, it's not based on what I do, and turn it into, God doesn't care what I do. Here's the, here's the good news of justification by faith alone. Here's the good news of the gospel. Your safety in Christ is not based on what you do. But your heart might be tempted to twist that into, therefore, God doesn't really care what I do. And Paul says, there, there's another way to lose your freedom. Uh, to turn that liberty in Christ into license to keep on sinning. Um, as the Reformers uh, love to say, uh, salvation is by faith alone. But it's not a faith that is alone. It's not a faith that is alone. Uh, that, uh, that the faith that clings to Christ uh, is this Holy Spirit-empowered faith. And so it's always going to flow out into a, into a new life. Paul even mentions it in our, in our passage in verse 6 when he talks about faith working through love. Yeah, because that's what, that's what clinging to Christ faith is, inspired by the Spirit. It's going gonna, it's gonna to flow out. The love of Christ for us is going to flow out into a life not perfect by any means, but more and more embodying uh, that love that Christ first had for us. Or, to use the language as we read from Ephesians 2 this morning, right? Our, we're saved not as a result of works, Paul says. But then he says, but we're Christ's workmanship created for good works. The works don't save us, uh, but it's, it's a part of this rescuing work uh, so that we might be different, better, more powerful, uh, more holy and righteous and lovely. Christ changing us. Not uh, We don't contribute to our salvation, but it flows right out, recreated in Christ for good works. So real Christian freedom uh, isn't a freedom to live however you want. It's actually better than that. And again, we, we tried to say that in, the, in our, the, first, the first danger, right? It's better, uh, we're freer than we think, and the same thing here. Uh, it's actually better than we think. Because it's not a freedom to say, stay stuck in our sin. It's a freedom to be better uh, and more powerful and more like Jesus than we could ever imagine. Uh, a, a couple years ago, I ran across this, this article by... Uh, pastor in the PCA, you might know Kevin DeYoung, and I like the way he summarized it. I might have, I think I shared this with you before, uh, but it, it kind of gets my, helps get my mind wrapped around it about the problem here. And he says, here's, here's part of the problem. We, we tend to preach the gospel to ourselves or have it preached to us as if the gospel were essentially a cheesy pop song. Right? The gospel as a cheesy pop song. And then he, and then he actually quotes one. Maybe, maybe you're familiar with the Christina Aguilera song, Beautiful. And he quotes these lines. Maybe you know them. You are beautiful, no matter what they say. Words can't bring you down. 
You are beautiful in every single way. Uh, yes, words can't bring you down. And, and, and he says, yeah, we kind of say, turn that into the gospel, right? Uh, you're beautiful in every way. And we just kind of throw a little spiritual twist on it. God loves you. God saves you because you're beautiful in every way. And it kind of sounds good. There's a part of us that would love to believe that. Yeah, wouldn't that be you know, God? Yeah, he rescued me because I'm just wonderful and fabulous. And there's something that makes us feel good about ourselves. But Paul says, watch out. That's not the gospel. And the gospel is actually better. Uh, God loves me. He, he rescues me. He rescues you, believer. Not because we're beautiful in every way. Actually, quite the opposite. We are, we are broken. We are sinners. We're unholy. But he loves us anyway. He, he sends his son to die for us anyway. Uh, and he forgives us anyway. But even more than that, he sends his spirit to, to begin a work of transforming us. Uh, so that he will not leave us stuck in that broken, unholy, uh, unlovely state. He actually loves us so much, he's not going to leave us there. But he's going to make us more and more beautiful. Right? He doesn't save us because we are beautiful, but he saves us, and part of that rescue is he's going to make us beautiful. Right? See, Christian freedom is actually better. Uh, if the gospel really is what it says it is, it's God's got a, a bigger plan than we can even imagine. Uh, he's not going to leave us stuck where we are. Uh, he's going to actually transform us, uh, right? So the freedom in Christ is not a, a freedom to stay stuck in our sin. It's only caused misery if we think about it. Uh, he's actually, it's actually a freedom that's only going to get more free. Uh, as, we're, as we're freed up from sin and death through the power of the Spirit to more live like, like the beauty of Christ. And that's where he's taking us. And, and that's where uh, God's word comes in. You might have noticed at the end of the passage, Paul brings in the law. And he says, oh, here's how you summarize the law. You, you love your neighbor as yourself. Up until this point in Galatians, every time Paul mentioned the law of God, it was, uh, it was a negative statement. And that's because up until this point, he's been addressing how the law has been misused among the Galatians. Uh, used as like, ah, keep the law in order to impress God. The law is a way of a way to righteousness. But now he's clarified that. We're, we're free, the freedom that we have as Christians is a freedom of salvation apart from the law. But now he says free in Christ, we're actually freed up uh, to live more and more uh, through the Spirit, the way of goodness and beauty and blessing. And how do we know what that is? Yeah, God's Word tells us. Uh, and so the law now is our guide, not our, our way to salvation, but our guide in newness of life. You're freed up to love your neighbor as yourself. Right? There's something beautiful. There's something powerful. More and more looking like Jesus and loving the people around you. And that's what God, that's what God has planned. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Christian freedom. Maybe even use the holiday to, to, to drive you there. Real, lasting, eternal, spiritual freedom. Uh, Paul's exercised about it because it is precious. 
Uh, it is worth fighting for, and it can be lost. And he describes these, these two fronts on which it gets attacked by our own hearts sometimes and by the, by the messages of the, of the world. So one way it's attacked is that, that temptation that I need to perform to be right with God. Jesus is good, but I need Jesus plus something else. And Paul says, watch out. You're actually losing uh, your, your freedom going down that road. Christ alone is better. And there's this other, this other danger, uh, which is uh, that, that, that you can just live however you want in Christ. And again, he comes with, it's actually better. Christian freedom is actually freer than that. It's not a freedom to stay stuck in slavery to sin. In fact, God is setting you free more and more. Uh, so the encouragement is, uh, look at the genuine gospel. See how it is freer than we could ever imagine. See how God's goodness is better uh, than we might think. And then get excited about trusting him and him alone. Let's pray. Father, we do ask for your grace and your strength this day and every day to see the love and grace that's in Christ, to cling to him, uh, and, to, and to see the great work that you're doing and transforming your people into his, his likeness. Do that work in us and your people here, we pray. In Jesus' name.